Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball, let the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by Peyton. From the glove to the claw, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code. And you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Happy Wednesday, Calvin. Happy hump day. It's, uh, it's Wednesday, May 17th. We had an amazing basketball game yesterday to watch. We had an amazing draft lottery yesterday to watch. Spoiler alert, the Kings get the fourth overall pick. We are going to be discussing that a little bit today. We're going to be talking about some injury updates. We're going to talk about Brittany Griner and the situation that's unfortunately happening to her. We're going to recap yesterday's game. We're going to give some previews on today's game. And then we're going to end the show, as always, with Q&A. How's your morning so far, Cal? Really good. How about yours? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Just uh, relax and chill, watch some ESPN. Uh, kind of had a lazy morning so far, so it's yep, same. It's all good. All right, let's jump here into the show. Uh, first off, you have any updates on Marcus Smart and Al Horford? Um, not major updates, but they're the, pretty much the only injury news that has changed even in the slightest here. Now that we're down to just the last four teams, Al Horford. Highly unlikely that he plays in game two. Still uh, recovering from COVID. Of course, he's got to have a negative test before he comes back. So it is very, very unlikely that he will be available for them. Marcus Smart, on the other hand, it says he is aiming to return in game two. They're feeling more optimistic that he will play with that sprained foot. Yeah, he definitely is much more likely to play because he doesn't have to pass those COVID protocols, <laughs> right. but how effective is he really going to be? You know, defense Good relies question. on, you know, f- moving your feet, uh, yep. you know, having all that. Uh, and if he's hurting, it's going to be pretty difficult for him. So, yeah. Yeah. As we can see, this series is already off to a very physical, um, you know, grind it out defensive start. So that's Marcus Smart's style of play. He loves Mm-hmm. playing those games but when you you got a hurt foot makes it a lot more difficult yeah we we kind of saw something similar in the previous round where Miami tried to throw Kyle Lowry out there I know it's not a foot injury it's a hamstring but uh he wasn't able to go full speed I think it definitely yeah. hurt them we'll see what happens here with Marcus Smart but big losses for the Boston Celtics uh it, it's the it's series is getting tougher and tougher timing. for them yeah very unfortunate all right, next up, Brittany Griner. Um, you know, I've wanted to talk about this situation for a little while, but it's tough because we don't have all the information. 
as many of you know, Brittany Griner plays uh, in Russia during her uh, WNBA offseason. She's done it for, what, like five or six years now? A long time. She's Um, won EuroLeague titles. She got caught with a a weed vape pen or something like that, and she's been detained uh, by the Russian police. Uh, It's going on three months now. I think it's 90 days officially today. Yeah, it was Um, back in February she was originally detained. So we haven't really heard much. Um, I saw an article last week that the Russians are are trying to do a a prisoner trade swap for an arms dealer or something like that. Yeah. That seems a little extreme. A guy that's serving a 25-year sentence in in the U.S. right now. It seems a little extreme for someone uh, that was caught with a personal, you know, yes, it's illegal, all this stuff, but uh, killing people or dealing arms is a little bit different than having a weed pen. Um, So it is... Quite interesting. I heard this week that the NBA is getting involved. Uh, not really sure what they can do. Um, what was it? Just two years ago or so, we saw the whole Daryl Morey situation with China, and the NBA kind of like stayed back on that. But they are getting involved in this situation. So hopefully, she returns to the U.S. safely, quickly. Uh, you know, thoughts out to her. Horrible situation. Horrible timing for her. Um, and hopefully we get a resolution to this sooner rather than later. Right. Yeah. I think that's well said. Um, just like you, I don't know all of the facts here on this case. I I think it was not just a weed pen that she had multiple, uh, hashish oil cartridges in her luggage. So the, the question is, is she trafficking these things in and out of Russia? I think that's what they're the, the Russians are saying, I don't know if it's true or not. Um, and, you know, I also don't know how, it, what the resolution of this situation is, you know? Yeah. It seems uh, like it's a very complicated thing. So yeah, I, we wish her the best and hope that she gets home soon. However, anyone can help out with that. I think they're definitely trying to do so. And yeah, it's a, a very bizarre situation. The whole Russia, at a very un, unfortunate time, like you said, you yeah. know, with all the war going on in Ukraine, and there's a whole lot of other political tension things that are making this maybe more difficult than it should be. Yeah, the whole Russia situation is just very, very interesting. So <clears throat> hopefully they can resolve it. It's not looking good. No. Um, I feel horrible for her. Someone that's just going there, you know, every year to compete. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. What's up, Steven? Good to see you here. Uh, yes, we did have a lot of fun yesterday on Royal Rebounds, um, talking about the draft lottery and, and picks and trades and all this King stuff. The King's off season is getting quite exciting. So, uh, we'll see what the next few weeks entails here, uh, leading up to the draft. I think the draft's what, June 26th, 23rd? Uh, I thought it was the 23rd. 23rd. I think it's June 23rd. All right, moving on here. Let's touch on that. Let's touch on this NBA draft lottery. So real quick here. The top picks are officially set. Orlando won the draft lottery yesterday. They are locked in at pick number one for the time being. Uh, Oklahoma City lands pick number two. Houston gets pick number three. Sacramento gets pick number four. Uh, Detroit falls to pick number five. Uh, Pick number six goes to Indiana. Seven for Portland, eight for uh, New Orleans, nine for San Antonio, ten for Washington, eleven for New York, 
12 goes to uh, Oklahoma City. They have two picks in the first 12, uh, 13 to Charlotte and 14 to Cleveland. Calvin, who is the big winner? I know Orlando is the easy choice here because they got the number one pick in this draft. But in your mind, who's the big winner of, of the draft lottery? Well, I think it's got to be Sacramento. They were the team that jumped the highest out of anyone. Um, you know, Detroit falls out of the top three. Uh, Portland doesn't move up. They're at seven. You know, Orlando, um, Houston, and Oklahoma City all had really high chances at getting the number one pick or, or close to equal chances. So I think you have to say, if you're not going to decide that the winner is yeah. the person that has the number one pick, Sacramento's got to be the winner here. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's really tough to pick a winner um, of this. Obviously, Orlando won the draft lottery. Great for the Sacramento Kings to move up from potentially as low as 10 or 11 all the way up to pick number four. Amazing for them. I think they had the best odds at pick number eight. Um, so they basically doubled up here moving to four. And we talked about how you know maybe the top four or five prospects in this draft um, are more of a sure thing, and then it kind of drops off a little bit after that. Um, there's always guys you can find later in the draft, but the higher you are up, the more options you have, the more opportunities you have for getting a guy that's ready uh, to win now or to just change your franchise. So I think it's a big win for Sacramento. I also want to say I think it's a big win for Oklahoma City. Uh, they were projected at two. They got two. They've done a ton of losing. Um, and they've just pulled in a bunch of draft picks here over the past couple seasons, trading guys like Russell Westbrook, Paul George, um, all that. So I think them staying at number two is, is really big for them because they have a bright future ahead. They have the assets if they did want to trade up to number one, if they did have a guy that, that they really did like. Um, and uh, they have some good young players already and a ton of cap space. So uh, it's hard for me to pick a winner here, but I'd say all four teams in the top four, had a big win yesterday yeah i agree with that definitely i think there's a few teams you know in the bottom half of the top 10 that have assets to move up as well if they wanted to new yep. orleans would be probably my first choice yep. out of that group yeah steven uh thank you for all your questions here we appreciate you joining in with us uh we do have a bunch of stuff coming up here in the off season uh you know you mentioned the draft free agency um those situations are not like the draft lottery where it's like one day event and it's over. It takes so much time for us to prep. So we're going to be putting out a ton of content on different draft picks, what we like, what we dislike about them, where we think they could go, they could fit. We're going to be doing a bunch of two, uh, 2k content, uh, with NBA 2k, uh, just fun hanging out, playing in the park, um, rebuilding teams. Um, and then any other basketball news and stuff we can talk about, we'll try and be here as much as we can uh, this summer to, to break down all that stuff. So thank you so much for, for all your comments. All right, Calvin. Number one pick. You think it's Chet? Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably the most likely s scenario. But it, it may come down to, you know, they just think, Jabari Smith has a higher ceiling and they decide to go with him. I I think it's got to be one of those two players. Yeah. If it was anybody else, it would really surprise me. Who is your favorite player in this year's draft? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of these prospects are, are um, pretty even at the, at the moment, you know, in the, in the top 10. 
Um, I'm starting to really like Keegan Murray more and more the more I watch of him. Mm -hmm. But you can make a good case for a lot of these players, especially a lot of the wings. You know, they're they're not um, superstar-ready players or win-now, win-tomorrow players, but I like Chet Holmgren a lot. I like Jabari Smith a lot for, for different reasons. Um, but I, th I think Keegan Murray is – is starting to emerge as one of my favorite all-around prospects in this draft. Yeah, he, definitely. He might be the most NBA-ready player of anyone in the draft. Yeah, definitely ready to score. Uh, 26.5 points per game, uh, 9.8 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 2.2 blocks. So he basically does everything uh, for that team. And he's uh, a big, I mean, he's 6'8". Uh, maybe he will grow a little bit more. He's 21, uh, almost 22. Um, but... What team do you think fits him best? I think he fits on a lot of teams. He does a lot of things really, really well. As you mentioned, he's a really good scorer. He's a three-level scorer. He's a good rebounder, uh, a solid defender for a guy his size. Not maybe the best or the the not the best athlete in this class. Not the most speed and quickness, um, but just a really solid all-around player. Kind of reminds me a lot of a Harrison Barnes type if you're a Kings fan. Okay. You know, a better scorer, I would say, overall, at least in college. We'll see how that translates to the pros. But um, the the dude is just a, a really, really solid player that got steadily better over his career um, and was arguably the best player in college basketball last season for the whole year. Yeah, I see him projected right now to go to uh, Indiana with pick number six. Does that sound about right to you, or you think he'll go higher or lower than that? I think anything in the – because the Kings have the fourth pick, you know, he could go as high as four. Um, the Kings do need wings for sure. So I think something from the four to seven range is, is what you should expect from him. Okay, okay. All right, next up, still on the draft here, there's only 58 picks in this year's NBA draft. Uh, two teams had to forfeit their picks. Uh, I think it was the Bucks. Um, and actually the Bulls, uh, or the Miami Heat, um, there was some trades that moved around there. This was dealing with uh, Kyle Lowry and uh, apparently violating, contacting players and stuff like that. These are second-round picks. They're late in the draft. For me, the big loser here is not the teams, it's the players, because there's only 58 chances here to get into the NBA in the draft now instead of 60 total. Uh, what are your thoughts on this um you know I th if tampering is definitely a thing that happens in the nba all the time so if you're going to say that teams shouldn't tamper then you should hold teams accountable for it which is what they're doing here i just don't think it's done uh consistently enough do you think there's a better way? It's pick 54-55, so it's pretty late in the draft here. Yeah. But is there a better way to, I guess, hurt these teams or punish these teams without doing the same to these players and basically eliminating two slots uh, to potentially make it on a roster? Well, yes, it does. You You are right about that. However... Um, as we've seen with the Miami Heat making this run here, undrafted players, you don't have as much of a chance for success as if you were drafted. 
But there, we've seen there are plenty of ways that these guys can get themselves into the league, especially when you're talking about a pick that's five picks away from being the, the very last pick in the NBA draft. So uh, I don't know, especially in today's NBA, when um, you know scouts and finding these undrafted players or these hidden gems, it still doesn't happen very often, but we've gotten to a point now where it used to be, you know, if you lived in another country or because there wasn't the internet or things like that, it was impossible for you to get discovered by mm-hmm. people. That's not the case now. So I don't know if it hurts pl- the players as much to, in today's game as it would have 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. I think I'd be more in favor, <clears throat> it, instead of losing these picks, maybe moving them to the end of the draft. So, like, you move everybody up, and then you give them the two last picks. Um, because I feel like if you draft a player, even if it's pick 59 or 60, you're still making some kind of commitment to that player, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of monetary commitment. You're giving them uh, a choice or an option uh, to play, to play well, all this, to potentially make the team versus we've seen guys make it undrafted. We've seen a few guys do that recently and, and they've been playing really well, but I think it is ultimately harder. Oh, it definitely is. Than being that's, the 60th sure. pick in the draft. So yes, they're, they got to figure out a way to prevent teams from tampering and stuff like that. But at the same time, they need to give these guys shots because kids work their whole life. They sacrifice so much to try and be drafted. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, you know, especially these guys late in the second round, it's like the goal is to make it to the NBA, but maybe the highlight of your career is going to be being drafted by a team, right? Hearing your name called, even if it's late in the second round, like they're losing that. That's a good point. <clears throat> and I think no, that's... No, I think you can make it a case for instead of losing draft picks, you know, uh handicapping a team in terms of their salary cap, like lowering mm. the amount of money that they're able to spend for a year or two years or whatever the case may be. Because a lot of times these tampering situations involve are involved with signing free agents anyway, right? Yep. So if you limit the amount of money that they're able to spend for the next year, that hurts you in terms of being able to fill out your roster or forces you to pay more in luxury tax, like which owners don't like. Yeah, I so. like that a lot. That's a that's a good uh, good idea. I'm gonna call Adam Silver when we get off of this. All right, just uh, make sure you mention podcast. my name. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely let him know. That was Calvin's idea. <laughs> All right, moving on here, man. I'm just so stoked on the draft lottery. I had so much fun. I hope you guys did as well. It was just a blast. Uh, I'm excited for the Kings off season. I'm excited for the the magic off season. I'm excited for the thunder off season. I'm excited for the NBA off season as a whole. It's going to be really exciting. And, uh, I know we're in the playoffs right now and I don't want to get ahead of myself. You know, you got to kind of stay in your own lane, look at what's in front of you right now. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the NBA playoffs. And then, you know, uh, maybe next week we can jump a little bit uh, deeper into the draft, stuff like that. But, uh, let's talk about yesterday's game. Like I said last week, only one game per day now if we're lucky. Uh, Teams are getting eliminated. They're going fishing. They're having fun. Patrick Beverly's on TV every single day now talking smack to people. 
Stephen A. Smith's going to be out of a job soon. All yeah. these players are coming for him. Right. So uh, one game yesterday, Boston <clears throat> heads to Miami for game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. They play a wonderful first half without Marcus Smart, without Al Horford. Miami turns uh, up the heat in the second half. No pun intended. They have an amazing third quarter. I think they held Boston only 14 points in that third quarter. They end up winning 118-107. Jimmy Butler goes wild, 41 points for him, only 29. And I say only 29 for Jason Tatum because I think they're going to need more from him. Well, if, only 10 in the second half. He had 19 at halftime. Yeah, if they're going to win this season. Uh, real quick, to go over the numbers, five points for P.J. Tucker, 41-9-5, four steals and three blocks for Jimmy Butler, 10-4 and four for Bam Adebayo, 17 for Gabe Vincent, 11 for Matt Struss, and 18 off the bench for Tyler Hero, 7 points for Grant Williams, 29 for Jason Tatum, 18 uh, and 9 for Robert Williams, 3 points for Derek White, 24 for Jalen Brown, and 18 off the bench for Peyton Pritchard, we saw him hit a bunch of threes in Game 7, and he added four more in this game, yep. but it was not enough for the Boston Celtics. Heat win. Uh, they take a commanding 1-0 lead <laughs> at home. Calvin, what were your thoughts about this game? This game was <clears throat> very fun to watch, but a tale of two halves. I mean, Boston came out with more energy in the first half. Jason Tatum, they were not uh, nearly as physical with him. Defensively, he was able to hit a bunch of tough shots, uh, and he was really rolling in that first half. And then I don't know what the Heat, Coach Spolstra or Jimmy Butler or Haslam or whatever these guys said <laughs> at, at halftime, but, man, did they have some of uh, Jimmy's secret stuff coming out of the locker room. 22-2 to two run to start that third quarter. Um, they were just everywhere defensively wreaking havoc. 12 blocks as a team in this game for the Miami Heat. They were they just took it to Boston in that third quarter and, and never looked back. Even though Boston did make a little bit of a run there late in the fourth to make it interesting again. Yep. This game was oh, was over uh halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, for me this game overall was just like I've been saying all playoffs, whoever's more physical wins the game. Miami's known for their physicality, they're known for their toughness. Uh, it was kind of a sloppy game in, in terms of shooting percentage, 48% uh, from the field for Boston, 32% from three-point range, and 48 and 33 for Miami. So it was a little bit of a slugfest, a lot higher scoring than you and I anticipated. Uh, what was the over-under? was like 206 203, or, I think, or something or like that. Um, 118 points for Miami here. They just bullied them. Uh, they were Boston's big brother in this game. Uh, they took their lunch money in the second half. I don't know how many Mark Jones quotes <laughs> I, I can use here uh, without getting in trouble. But for me, Miami wanted it more. Boston's dealing with some injuries. And uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Super star. I will take him on my team any day. Of the week. I love Jimmy Butler. Yeah. One of the most underrated players in the entire league. Yeah, shout out to Phoenix here. Thank you, Phoenix, uh, for joining us. Uh, Phoenix says, Jimmy Butler is going to be the best player in this series. I agree with that. Uh, I got Miami winning this series. If 
Boston does want to have a chance. If they want to win this series, Jason Tatum needs to be the best player in this series. But I agree with you. I think Jimmy Butler will be the best player in the series. And I see the Heat moving on to the finals. Yeah, he was spectacular. Steven says he still thinks this series is going to seven games. You agree? I, <clears throat> gosh, excuse me. I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Boston's got to respond, first of all. I, I mean, going it's not over if they start off down 0-2, but yeah. seven games is a lot harder to get to when you start off down 0-2. So. Yeah, for me, it really depends on what happens with Marcus Smart and Al Horford, right? Like, those are big losses for Boston. And uh, what's going on with Kyle Lowry, right? Kyle Lowry, people forget how amazing of a player Kyle Lowry actually is. The Miami Heat haven't really needed him here in the playoffs, but if he can come back healthy and Marcus Smart is maybe hobbling a little bit, maybe he's at 70%, 80%, no way it goes to seven games in my mind. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I definitely wouldn't count out the Boston Celtics just yet. Uh, Tatum and Brown have both been playing incredible in the postseason. Um, they p- will probably get Marcus Smart back in game two. And, you know, like you said, you got to make sh- watch him to see how he looks. And uh, if he's close to 100%, this team still has a really good shot to win this series. Yeah, they're in it's, it. They've... It is just one game. And Boston was, you know, for half the game, they were controlling it. Uh, yeah. They were up almost double digits at halftime. So, Yeah, they made it to the Western Com- <coughs> or sorry, Eastern Conference Finals for a reason. They are a great team, just dealing with some uh, injury concerns at this point. Calvin... The next game is on Thursday. We're going to dive a little bit deeper tomorrow in depth on that game and what we're looking for. But just real quick here, what does Boston need to do to win game two? They need to take better care of the ball. I mean, I think that's obvious, right? Like, they they came out of the locker room just way too uh, lackadaisical. Um, we talked, you know, kind of about Marcus Smart missing being an important part of that puzzle right like when the Celtics offense gets stagnant he's the one that is kind of at the point controlling it uh, he's a good decision maker with the ball I know he did have you know a couple bad turnovers or a block shot and a turnover at the end <clears throat> of game six in Milwaukee but he really helps them out with kind of resetting everything and they could have really used that during that 22 to 2 run yesterday so I think they just have to come out with the same type of energy they started game one with. Robert Williams was great for them there, especially in that first half. And uh, they will need continue to need one of the other supporting cast guys, whether it's Peyton Pritchard or Grant Williams, to keep knocking down big, timely shots. But they just can't afford to let Miami take control of an entire quarter like that. That yep. one quarter lost them the game easily. Yep, yep. Exactly. What's up, Techno Peasant? Good to see you here. Uh, Techno Peasant's got a good point. Uh, Emmy Adoka missed today's media session due to a non-COVID-related illness. A little weird uh, to, you know, yes, there are other sicknesses out there, but when your center and Al Horford is out with a COVID-related yeah. illness and you start coming down with a non-COVID-related illness, a little weird. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Hopefully he is okay. Hopefully he is able to coach them on Thursday. If not, that's a big concern, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, 
They don't have a Mike Brown on their bench. No, they've got some good assistants, though. I mean, it's not like they're just going to roll out with a a scrub or a fan that they pull in off the stand. Hey, you should come coach the Celtics tonight. They're going to have the same game plan. They're going to have everybody in the right spots. But, yeah, of course you want your head coach to be on the bench. Would you throw Brad Stevens out there? Maybe they do. Yeah. Sure, why not? I mean, if I'm in Miami and Spolstra's out, what do you do, right? Like, is Haslam, Pat Riley. Is Haslam your head coach? Is Pat <laughs> Riley your head coach? Like, they have a couple of different options. It's interesting that Stevens moves up to the front office. I wonder if he would be willing to come back to coach a game in the Eastern Conference Finals if they needed him. Maybe. I don't think that is what will happen. As we've seen, the Boston Celtics have a pretty good, you know, I guess, whatever farm system or whatever you want to call yeah. it for assistant coaches. So I think they've got some guys that are capable. Steven wants to fast forward to the NBA draft. I'm sure you do. It's going to be a really exciting <laughs> time, but we still got about five weeks or so until then. There's still a lot of basketball to happen. There's still a lot of exciting things, trades, all this fun stuff. Uh, I know I'm going to California next week. I don't want to fast forward through that. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on. I know you're excited. Yesterday got me pumped. Uh, so I'm also excited for the NBA I, draft. Yeah, I don't want to fast forward through this great playoff yeah. basketball. Like, this is my favorite time of year. To, I always love watching basketball, but it doesn't get any better than this. So let's, much let's better keep than it hockey. going. Seven games every series. Yeah. yeah. Steven, have you seen it'll go. the movie Click? Because <laughs> if you haven't, very important movie to watch. It's, uh, it's good for life lessons. All right, anything else you want to mention on uh, this uh, Boston-Miami series before we move on? Just um, these two teams are – it's going to be a slugfest. I'm really, really excited to watch this series. Bam Adebayo, you know, I talked about it yesterday before game one. He didn't blow anybody away with the numbers he put up yesterday. Four blocks is pretty good, but ten points, only attempted four shots. I just love how the guy plays. He's the the perfect, um, you know, center or uh, yeah. anchor to have back there for that defense. He's so skilled, uh, able to do a bunch of things uh, out there, and and really is a fun fun player to watch. And then Jimmy Butler just continues to surprise me. Like the the dude is incredible. I I don't understand why people won't. Yeah call him a star in this league he is very clearly a star in this league loves to to take advantage of the bright lights and he might be the best off-ball defender in the nba period yeah phoenix says bam out bio is the real defensive player of the year yeah and uh you know that brings me to my next question here calvin you know we talk about how great miami heat uh is collectively as a team how good their defense is as a team how good the structure is the culture all that stuff a lot of good defenders on this team who is the best defender on this team bam Adebayo is the best defender on this yeah team. yeah uh, jimmy butler don't get me wrong is fantastic um i just said he's he might be the best off-ball defender in the entire league but bam his versatility Jimmy can guard multiple positions. Bam can guard all five players on the mm-hmm. court at one time or, or in the span of, a, of one possession. Um, his ability to, to guard positions one through five, to guard with, his ba- uh, with the offensive players back to the basket right underneath it, to guard on the wing, on the perimeter. Um, his timing is incredible. 
he is definitely the team's best defender. But they've, like you said, they've got a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with either of those guys there. Uh, I'm taking Jimmy Butler, better overall player, better leadership, all that stuff. But yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Bam Adebayo is the best defensive player on the team. Jimmy Butler is their best point of attack defender, but Bam can do everything Jimmy can. Uh, Jimmy can't be your backup help or backline helper switch like Bam can. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He's his versatility. Um, he's just phenomenal. Like size matters. Size does matter, but size and quickness <laughs> matters yeah. even more. Lateral yeah. quickness. It's one thing just to have a huge wingspan like Rudy Gobert, right? Yeah. Rudy Gobert can't come out and guard guards on the perimeter and it move his feet and stay in front of them. Bam can. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, Bam's a little bit smaller there, but yeah. There's a little that. bit, yes. It's kind of like when we I mean, create our players. He's still 6'9". It's not like he's yeah. a tiny guy. You it's kind of when we play, create our players on 2K, right, where there's like the stats, and it's like you make them taller, but the speed drops yeah. down. Yeah. And Bam's got like that perfect combination where he's right in the middle. He he's got the quickness. He's got the size. Uh, and he's actually got it up here, too. So, yeah. uh, great player. I would love to have him on the Kings. Um, played with Deer and Fox in college, so I know they got that connection. But I don't see him leaving Miami anytime soon. And Miami would be uh, not too smart to get rid of him anytime soon. So Oh, they don't want to let him go. That's for sure. I'm still going with Miami winning this series. You agree with me? Or you go with Boston? Man, I keep, I feel like a terrible analyst here. I keep flipping on this. Every <laughs> every time someone asks me that question, I'm like, I give a different answer. I'm like, oh, Boston. Yeah. And then yesterday, somebody was like, oh, I'll take Boston in the series. You want to bet on it? Yeah, I'll take Miami. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. I I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really good series. I think after yesterday, you. A lot of people want to say Miami has the advantage, but again, they had one phenomenal yeah. quarter. Other than that, this was a back and forth game, or Boston had a double digit lead for for most of it. So I, this series is definitely not over. Yeah, and yes, it may seem like we do change our opinions, but uh, that's okay because every day we're getting new information. <laughs> Uh, things are changing, situations are changing, players are available, they're not ab available, stuff like that. You have to factor all that in uh, to choosing your picks. Otherwise, if you stick with them, you end like me with half of my brackets still alive. Yeah. Uh, but I'm taking Miami. I'm sticking with it, Calvin. As you should. Taking Miami to go to the finals. Techno Peasant says, Dwight Powell at 6'10 is the tallest starting center left in the conference finals. Interesting. That kind of shows uh, the direction how, the NBA how tall is, is going. Robert Williams, he's got to be six ten, I think. What's up, Mike? Good to see you here. Yeah, let's go Mavs. Let's go Mavs. All right, Calvin, let's talk about the Mavs here. Uh, they traveled to California today to play the Golden State Warriors game oh, one. It's only listed at six eight. Wow, he of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, looking here. Golden State's favored by five and a half, which makes sense. The game is at home. Only one guy injured. That's Gary Payton II. He's out. I don't see any injuries reported for Dallas. ESPN says Golden State has a 57.8% chance of winning this game. Who you got tonight? 
I got the Warriors. Sorry, Mike. Don't glue yourself to the floor either. That's that's just obnoxious. I would love Don't to see it. that. Please, please do that. Come up with something more original. That's been done. <laughs> Staple yourself to the floor or something. I don't know. I mean, glue is <laughs> made from horses, right? So that would make sense oh, for yeah, a Mavs fan to glue themselves to the floor. Maybe you could glue yourself to your chair. Maybe. So then they can't get you out of the chair. That would be hilarious to watch. If you're in the first row and uh, they can't remove you, that'd be that pretty good. That would be fun. Yeah, especially if you were puking all over the place, like puke guy. Oh, okay. There you <laughs> go. Combined forces. What kind of glue are you going to bring? Yeah, Royal Rebounds fan glues himself to chair. <laughs> uh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Phoenix says Luka Doncic is going to end this series in seven ga- or sorry six games. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, back to the game here. I understand why the Warriors are favored in this game. Uh, I understand the Dallas Mavericks are an underdog, but I'm trying to learn from my past mistakes, and that was taking Dallas to lose every series before this. I think if Dallas wants to win this series. I think they should win game one. Um, But I'm a little mixed because part of me is like Jason Kidd has done an amazing job making adjustments in this team. So maybe they lose game one and game two. They go back home to Dallas. They win two in a row like they did in the last series, Mm -hmm. and it kind of propels them forward. I'm a little worried about Golden State. Just what I saw from them in the last round, uh, I think things are, are not the same. For them as it was earlier on in the playoffs uh, I think teams have kind of exposed them a little bit I expect this to be a close game closer than five and a half with which is what the spread is I expect Luka Doncic to have a huge game tonight if the Mavs win the shooters shoot and they make shots yep if they don't the Mavs lose this game if the Mavs lose tonight it's not over for them um, I expect adjustments in game two, game three, game four. Uh, this is a coin toss for me, game one. Coin toss? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, <clears throat> Luca is has been phenomenal all postseason, uh, not just this postseason, but in his entire career so far. He's going to put up huge numbers. The, they, the Warriors are not going to be able to do anything differently to him. He, he really isn't affected by much anymore um so he's gonna get his i will i would be uh i would not be surprised at all to see another you know 32 points 10 rebounds and seven assists yep. per game in this series yep as you mentioned it's about the other players on this team what's jalen brunson gonna do what's dinwiddie gonna do how many threes are they gonna hit the reason i give a slight edge to the warriors is because the warriors operate a little bit differently than Utah and Phoenix do. They're going to present a new set of problems mm-hmm. for Dallas defensively. They, their ball movement, their, the, their uh, ability to cut and move without the ball, they run a lot of different sets than either of those other teams do. There's a lot less isolation. They keep the ball moving. They got to cut down on turnovers, which I've said before. Mm-hmm. They have had a problem with that all year long. Um, but also the the number of players they have on their team that have the ability to create their own shot is much higher 
than what either of these other two teams Dallas just played in the previous two rounds. Yep, correct. Chris Paul, if he still had that ability or, you know, looked more like the old Chris Paul down the stretch of that series. A week ago. Phoenix probably wins that series. So that's why I give a slight edge to Golden State um, in this series. I, I would not be surprised at all anymore if Dallas has, you know, Great, great games. Shoots really, really well from three. Luca does his thing, and they end up beating the Warriors in six and six or seven games. Yeah. It would not shock me, but I do give a slight edge to the Warriors in this series. Yeah, I think the key, if you're the Mavs, is you need to figure out a way to get Draymond Green out of the game, whether it's in foul trouble, whether it's being physical with him, it's whether it's getting under his skin or getting in his head. That, to me, is going to be the key. They have these three amazing guards in Doncic, Dinwiddie, and Brunson. I think that's going to put a, a big load on guys like Steph and Clay. They're going to be yeah. chasing those guys all over the court. <laughs> so for me, the big advantage that Golden State has is Draymond Green. Now, the Mavericks have all these shooters, especially big guys, and they can try and pull Draymond away from the paint get more to the basket, stuff like that. But I feel like you really got to go at Draymond Green in this series. Um, he is as strong as he is and as much as I praise him uh, for being you know, an amazing leader, uh, a tough uh, guy, the backbone of the team, all this, he's also probably the most vulnerable guy in terms of getting under his skin, uh, getting in his head, tricking this guy into fouls or technical fouls or, or getting himself suspended or, or stuff like that. I don't see that happening with Clay Thompson. I don't see that happening with Andrew Wiggins. I don't see that happening with Steph Curry. So for me, if you're the Mavs, you need to figure out a way to get Draymond Green out of this series. I think they got to start out by just attacking him, attacking him, attacking him. They got to get him into foul trouble in this game and go from there. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Draymond will probably take himself out of the game before the Mavs take him out of the game, right? Like yep, yeah. It's about getting him to get into it with the officials as opposed to Correct. Uh, you know, taking away his mental edge or something like that. So, And, Mike, I do not have a Mavs jersey, but if you send me one, if the Mavs win, I will wear it every day during the NBA Finals. That's a promise. And... He also agreed on yesterday's show that he will take another shot of Jameson for you <laughs> if the Mavs win the series. Um, yes. Techno Peasant wants to know if the Mavs have any instigators. Uh, that's a tricky word. Uh, it is. I would say Luka Doncic is a little bit say of an instigator. Yeah. I would say Jason Kidd is yeah. a little <laughs> bit of an instigator. Um, I don't really know too much about Spencer Dinwiddie, like, I heard all the rumors that, like, they didn't want him in Washington. I don't know why. Um, the dude doesn't seem like an instigator to me. Jalen Brunson doesn't seem like an instigator, but he seems like kind of a pest, pesty, yeah. pesky guy that could get under your skin, uh, that, that could be annoying. But every team has those guys that are on the bench that have been sitting there for 90% of the season and when coach needs you to go out there and commit a hard foul or do something or get in somebody's head, they're there. So uh, I'm definitely Maybe not Maybe Boban. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Asha would Funny love that. Funny story about Spencer Dinwiddie. I saw on Instagram today, he gets a $1 bonus 
if he wins the NBA championship this year. Oh, wow. Apparently, when he was negotiating his contract for the Washington Wizards at the start of the season, winning the title was not very high uh, <laughs> or not expected Yeah, very much. So $1 wow. if the Mavs win the title this year. Do you put that dollar on your wall? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you frame that. Yeah, you frame it? Absolutely. Or you say, I want that dollar in my trophy yeah. or in my ring. I, I think he gets a like dollar. a $400,000 bonus for making the NBA Finals, but only a dollar okay. if they win. Interesting. Interesting. So you're taking... Golden State in game one, huh? I am taking the Warriors in game one. Mm-hmm. At home, Mike's not there to glue him to this, glue himself to the floor yet. That's game two, so the, the Warriors will win in game one. All right, I'll agree with you. I, I got Golden State tonight, and I got Mavs winning and stealing home court advantage on Friday. Oh, in front of Mike. In front of Mike. Man, he'll love that. And then I, I think it starts then. Then they head back to Dallas. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Chris Paul's, uh, or sorry, not Chris Paul, Steph Curry's family might get some hugs in the crowd or something. <laughs> uh, we'll see what Dallas can do, but, uh, you know. There you go, Mike. You should glue yourself to Steph Curry's yeah, wife. There you go. Or in to a, Steph in Curry. In position. Or to Steph Curry. Or to Steph Curry. <laughs> that would be so great. This guy has glued himself <laughs> to a player. Glue yourself to Draymond Green. You could take him out of the game for that. <laughs> Dinwiddie said he wants it paid in pennies. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's only 100 pennies, but that would make sense. All right, anything else you want to mention about these uh, these two series before we move into Q&A? Uh, just excited to watch them. I mean, it, it's still so early. Um, you know, these obviously the Mavs, Warrior Series hasn't even started yet. It, it could go either way, I think. Over-under is 214.5. I'm taking the over on this game. Yeah, I usually lean towards taking the over. So, But it's I, I'm so mixed. Like, I, I want to take the over, but at the same time, like we've seen even in the playoffs, there's been games where the Mavs have struggled to score 90 points when they don't shoot well, and then they come back the next game and they score like 130 so I could see a situation where they just don't shoot well in this game and they have 90 points and the Warriors win 115-90 uh, or something like that. Uh, they make some adjustments and then they come back in game two and the Mavs play much better, shoot much better. Um, but, yeah, the toughest game to predict is always the first game of the series, mm-hmm. right, because it's all over the place. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with it. Keep your eye on Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. If he's scoring early, it's going to be bad news for the Mavericks. Okay. 17 or more points, Warriors win every time. If Draymond Green's in foul trouble at halftime, Mavs win the game. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that there. All right, guys, we are going to wrap up uh, that and move into Q&A. So if you guys have any questions, any thoughts, uh, any concerns, anything you want to talk about, you know, let us know in the chat. We had an amazing time yesterday celebrating Uh, The Kings winning the fourth pick in the draft lottery with all of you on Royal Rebounds. So that was a great time. If you guys want to talk about that, you want to talk about the games today, anything, just let us know in the chat. We got another 10 minutes or so for you guys here. What's up, Ivan? Good to see you. Ivan is rooting for the Mavs. That's good. I'm I'm rooting for the Mavs, too. Mavs. This is kind of bringing me back to the We Believe Warriors Right? Remember yeah. when that we were freshmen in college? Yeah. 
and that series was going on. The Mavs were the number one seed. The Warriors were the eight seed. Yeah. And everybody was, all of our friends were so split. Like half of us were rooting for the Warriors. Half of us were rooting for the Mavericks. Here we are again. Yeah, I actually had this uh, big TV, like projection movie theater <laughs> style TV that my roommate from the dorms didn't have a place for it. So he was storing it uh, at our apartment and Calvin moved his bed into my room. So we had like literally both of our beds next to each other, this big ass TV and and everybody, every game in that series in your room. And everybody came over and we had like 13 people laying in the bed, sitting in the bed, watching the games. Uh, Funny times being 18, right? Calvin. It was. That was really fun, actually. All right. Let's see. Steven had some questions here earlier. I think the Magic and the Thunder won this draft. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. Any team that's in the top four definitely did it. Uh, He says, who played with Jalen Suggs? Oh, Chet Holmgren played with. Actually, I don't think that's true because Holmgren is a freshman this year, isn't he? So he wouldn't have been on the team last year. At Gonzaga? Yeah. Jalen Suggs went to Gonzaga as well. But I don't think they were teammates because Holmgren is a freshman this year. Interesting. Is that am I wrong about that? You guys should do a two K tournament. I'd love to do a two K tournament. Uh Steven, what system do you have? We 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 have a PS five. Um haven't played too much recently. When we were on lockdown, Calvin and I played a ton. Um, yes, we did. But, you know, we can meet you in the park, um, any of that stuff. But, yeah, we could run a tournament. It would be, be a lot of fun. We love 2K, and we love uh, NBA basketball. So we'd be happy to do that if we can get enough people. I also believe the Thunder, with multiple top picks and having the number two pick, helps put Jabari Smith is the smart pick to go. Yeah, the Thunder have a lot of options. They have so many picks. They have the best chance, I think, at trading up to pick one because if you're, uh, you know, the Orlando Magic and the guy you like is not the consensus top pick, you could move down and potentially pick up pick number 12 and uh, fill two spots on your roster. I might consider that if I was Orlando. Um, But, yeah, Jabari Smith, great player. Chet Holmgren, all good prospects. Jimmy Butler, we talked about him. Oh, he's talking, Phoenix is talking about Kawhi Leonard. Um, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, who would you take, Calvin? I, Man, that's tough. I'd take a healthy Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I, I'd take a healthy Dwayne Wade. I'd take a healthy <laughs> Brandon Roy. I'd, you know, that's the tough part. Right? I'd take a healthy Tracy McGrady. Yeah, yeah, I get it, but I'm just saying they're they're very close in my mind. Um, but Kawhi Leonard, before he got hurt, you know, he was arguably the best basketball player in the world. That's true. Why don't I like the Warriors? It's not that I dislike the Warriors. I just um, I picked the Mavs to lose every single series before this, and they. They proved me wrong, so I'm trying to learn from my past mistakes and uh, choose the Mavs to win this series. Calvin and I were rooting for the Warriors in the We Believe series. Um, oh, heck yeah. So 
I'm a basketball fan. I love a bunch of different teams. I guess I just don't like the um, Mavericks. I don't but yeah, I'm taking the Mavericks to beat the Warriors. As much as I do like the Warriors, uh, not a huge Draymond Green fan, and that's just because he's not on my team. If he was on my team, I'd love him. But uh, he's an instigator. He's uh, what were you talking about yesterday? He's a troll. He's not a troll. Or... He's a <clears throat> he's an enforcer. Yeah. He's an asshole. That's he's what he an is. asshole. That's yeah. what he is, and he's good at it. Uh, Dab Rab, what's up, dude? Do Kings have enough cap to sign Aiton to the max? I think they, they can. They do if they work a sign and trade. I think. Yeah, I I think they do have enough cap space to sign him outright if they were to, uh, you know, rescind some of the other offers, stuff like that. But to Calvin's point. Aiton's not going to just sign anywhere. He's going to try and work out a sign-and-trade so that he can get his money, and then the Kings are going to have to throw well, guys it's in more there. so for the Phoenix Suns organization. They're, they're not just going to let him go, you know? Yeah. Well, both, right? He gets paid yeah. more, yeah, and they get him, they get something for, for him. Techno, you can't like the Kings' rivals. <laughs> Thanks, Ivan. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Calvin, I can never tell when a young player shows any defensive potential. Do you think Poole will get better over the years, or will he be uh, like Duncan Robinson? Well, he's already better than Duncan Robinson, uh, I will say that. Um, it, yeah, it's it's tough because, especially for guards, right, um, when, it, when you're really athletic and you can move really well on the court, that alone should be able – that should make you a good defender. Um, some of it is size. Some of it is – a lot of it is desire and willingness to to want to be better, right? But I, I look at Jordan Poole a lot like I look at Steph Curry. Curry was not much of a defender when he came into the league. He was also a smaller guy, you know, a, a slender frame a little bit. Um, but over the years – playing on a team that was deep in the playoffs all the time, playing with really, really top-level defensive players as teammates, he got better. He learned how to, to be in position better. Um, he moves his feet. He doesn't ha He's not the quickest out there, but he knows where to be, and he has good hands. Jordan Poole is the same way. Like He, he should be able to be at a similar level. I don't know if I see him being an elite you know, defensive player. I don't think mm -hmm. he's going to make any all all defensive teams, but there's no reason why he can't be a good or or a solid defender, especially on a good team defense. Yeah, I'm a big fan of guys that have kind of the defensive skill set first, and then they learn or progress on the offensive end of the ball, like Kawhi Leonard, Lou Dort, guys like that. But I definitely think he can make big strides. Um, definitely starting quality caliber NBA player to me great offensive player uh, I think being with the Warriors being around guys like Clay Thompson Draymond Green is definitely going to help him uh, progress but the dude is still so young it's really hard to tell at this point whether he will make those strides but I think he's got all the potential to do it why would the Kings want Aiton can Sabonis play the four Calvin and I are a very little split point. on that very um, very good point I like Aiton because I feel like he's a chance to grab some talent uh, for not much, right? Yes, you're going to have to pay him, um, but 
in terms of like what other situations are you gonna going to get a top pick in the draft who's just four years out from that who's taken his team he's not the only reason but taking his team to the nba finals who's played exceptionally well basically a double double machine can rebound well something the kings have sorely been missing uh I think that there is a way to work out Aiton and Sabonis. And if it doesn't work out, I think both of them have trade value. So for me, it's more of a way to add talent to the team without giving up a lot. But ultimately, for me, that's not my number one offseason move for the Kings. If they're able to draft a shooting guard in this draft and they could trade for a guy like John Collins, I'd be more willing to do something like that. But uh, I definitely have my eyes on Aiton because I think he is a good player, and I think uh, you could capitalize on uh, what's happening between him and Phoenix at this point. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And what have we kept saying over and over again since the Kings season ended? This offseason is all about adding talent. If you can add talent at any position, that's a a big-time win. Uh, So, yeah, of course, if you had a chance to get DeAndre Aiton, you should probably go for it, even though I am skeptical about the fit with him and Sabonis on the court at the same time. That being said, you could do a lot worse than having DeAndre Ayton and DeMontis Sabonis on your front line. You know, in terms of how it works or what style of ball you play, that's another story. But just getting those guys on the same team would be a, a drastic improvement, absolutely. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the concerns you had with Tyrese Halliburton, right? Yeah. Him and De'Aaron Fox, do they fit? Not really sure, but he was the best available. The Kings took him. And it ended up getting them Sabonis. Exactly. It didn't exactly work out like they planned, but they were able to salvage the situation, flip him into an all-star. If the Kings can draft Ivy or Sharp or Keegan Murray, maybe not Murray if if they're going to go after Aiden, but if they can get a good guard in the draft with pick number four and bring in a guy like Aiden, I think there's no reason the Kings don't make the playoffs next season unless, you know, some crazy freak health accident happens to multiple players on the we, roster. We'll see. They, they need to fill out the rest of the roster. Technopeasant brings up a good point here about floor spacing. They, shooting is definitely something that this team needs yep. as well. So you're adding a, another post player. Mm-hmm. You're shrinking the floor a little bit. If you don't go out and get some shooters to fill out the rest of the roster – then you do have a little bit of a problem in the half-court offense. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that, too. Shooting is <clears throat> is definitely something, uh, you know, that Monty said he wants to bring in this offseason. Sabonis is not a bad three-point shooter. His career number is about 32%, oh, which... That's, that's not good enough I mean, me. you want better than that, but that's about uh, a point per shot, which I mean, is pretty good, right? Not not good enough. <laughs> Something he I don't want somebody on. who shoots thirty two percent from three taking four threes a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's going to be an interesting off season for the Kings. Um, a lot of guys to keep your eyes on. Aiton's one. Bradley Beal's one. Uh, what happens with the whole Westbrook situation? John Wall. All these different guys are moving around. And then what does that do? Maybe the Kings don't want to capitalize on one of those guys specifically. But maybe one of those guys is going to another team and taking somebody else's position, and then that person could be available maybe at a discount. Um, but, yeah, Kings need to add talent. That's the number one goal this offseason now. Um, as much talent as you can, 
yes, you want to build culture. Yes, you want to build, you know, uh, a team and a system. But I see it similar to 2K and the fact that you add as much talent as you can. You try and get everyone to fit in together. If it doesn't, you can trade guys at the deadline. As long as you didn't overpay or give out bad contracts, you can salvage value and you can figure out, okay, I like what we did here. I dislike what we did here. Maybe I can ship these guys out to find more guys that fit this style of play. Uh, it's still a lot of learning going with the Sacramento Kings. You know, They're trying yeah. to develop this culture. They're trying to develop a style. They just brought in a new coach. Um, so they don't exactly know what they're going to be next year. That's true. I I think you're you're right to a degree. Like that's that's a short-term solution in my mind. I don't think you can do that year after year after year. You can't every year come in with the same mentality of let's just add as many players as we can now and if it doesn't work we'll trade guys at the deadline. Yep. You know, you have to get yourself over the hump like Sacramento needs to do in terms of being able to add high-level talented players, whether it's through trade or free agency. But at some point you need, just like we've been talking about with the coaching staff, you need continuity. You need to, to establish yourself as a team over the course of an entire season. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You need something to build <coughs> off of first, yes. And I want to go back here real quick. We didn't answer uh, Jeremiah's question on Rashawn Holmes. Um, in terms of his status with the team, I think it's – it's a very fine line right now. I believe Monty likes Rashawn as a player. I believe he wants him to be a part of this team. The way Damian Jones played down the stretch, all the, the difficulties, the hardships that Rashawn went through this season, that to me signifies that it, they are going to have to pick between one of those guys. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know if Monty feels this way, but if I was the GM, I would lean more towards re-signing Damian Jones first. If I'm not able to do that, I have Rashawn Holmes as a backup plan to be my backup center, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I look at it similar to the spacing issue that Techno Peasant mentioned here. Would Rashawn and DeMontis Sabonis fit well playing together? Rashawn makes a lot of money to be a backup center uh, on this squad. I do like the contract. I think he has value. I think he's tradable. That's probably what I'd look forward to this offseason is trading him to try and fill in either the four or the two um, position and move on. I would not be disappointed if Rashawn was on this team next year because I do like Rashawn a lot, but I think the Kings have more immediate needs they need to figure out. They need to figure out what the starting five is going to look like, and then you start filling in the bench. Um, if I could trade Rashawn for a starting four, and bring in Damian Jones as backup center, like that is a win-win for me. And I really do like Rashawn a lot. Uh, one thing we did learn in the last week is Rashawn was granted full custody over his his children. Um, I guess his ex or baby mama or whatever whatever it's called these days took them out of the state without his per permission. So he was granted full custody. Uh, that's probably going to help him in his whole legal battle. And uh, yep we'll probably get some more clarity in terms of what his availability for any NBA team will be like next season uh, in the next couple months. So uh, I think with that resolved, there's a clear path to him returning to Sacramento. Dab Rab likes Mo Bamba. 
Mo Bamba could be an option if the Magic picked Chet. He could come at a buy low price. Kyle, I know you've liked Mo Bamba. Yeah, I, I like that option. Um, I still think one of the positions the Kings need the least is center. So I, I would be looking for other positions of need first. And I also am not sure that the Magic are really going to want to part with Bamba now. I, I could definitely see them going the Cleveland Cavaliers route of having two or three, you know, big time long seven footers in there. Both Holmgren and Bamba have shown Bamba this past year showed that he could shoot the three a lot better. Yeah. So they might go that route of having both of those guys in. There. And if they keep Isaac, that yeah. is a big team. Yeah. That is a big team. And uh what a better way to rebuild than to start yourself out with a couple big anchors like that. But I, I like Mo Bamba, but I, I agree with Calvin. I, I think uh, I'm a little more concerned about that four position. And um, Mo Bamba can shoot the three ball, but I think he'd end up playing the five, and I'm not sure if Sabonis works out too well playing the four. If you guys could magically add any culture guy to the Kings – who would you try to get? Would Shumpert make sense? Shumpert would be Very the last. Shumpert. He, I do like him, but he'd be the last guy on my list if I could magically add any guy. Oh, yeah. I'm. You know who I'm taking, number one? Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yeah, any culture guy. I mean, I would love to add Jimmy Butler. I'd love to add Marcus Smart. I'd love to add Draymond Green, and I was just hating on him. Uh Culture guys are really hard to come by. Um, but, yeah, I think I'd probably go with Jimmy Butler. I do have a little bit of concern considering what happened with him in uh, in Minnesota and what he could do to a team without strong leadership already. Yeah. Um, but culture guys, he's the top of my list. So I, I think Jimmy Butler could teach uh, this Kings team um, how to win. I think he could teach them about work ethic, about pride, about mm. all these things. Uh, so I'd probably have to go. In terms of somebody well. who's actually available for next season, though. Yeah. Now, again, this doesn't solve every problem, and he this is a guy that's getting older, but PJ Tucker is a free agent. Yeah, I like PJ a lot. A lot. Might be worth seeing if I, I wouldn't want to overpay for him, and I'm not so confident that he's not just going to keep bouncing around to championship contending teams at this point in his career. But I would definitely be calling his agent and seeing, you know, what the interest level is and, and what it might take to get him. Yeah, I also saw a report saying that the Kings are interested, or, or TJ Warren is interested in potentially playing with the Kings. I like that. We also heard about Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Uh, we've seen a lot of these guys play together. Uh, with the Pacers, they like Sabonis. Maybe they're bringing him to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. Sabonis is getting the band back together. But, yeah, for me, adding talent, figuring out the two position, figuring out the four position, and you go from there. I'm surprised neither of us said LeBron James for adding a culture guy because it's number one culture guy. Yeah. And he'd probably make Monty trade for another all-star. Yeah. Probably. The number four pick? What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> Get that out of here. I want Bradley Beal. Wouldn't mind Mo Bamba, but we do have Damian Jones and Namias as well. Would rather look elsewhere for other needs. 
Kings got to re-sign Damian Jones. I think he's a free agent. Would you trade Rashawn for a player in one of Charlotte's picks, either 13 or 15? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. Give me uh, Kelly Oubre. Is he still under contract with Charlotte? Um, That's a good question. Let me look them up real quick. I was I was actually looking at that fit a lot. I, I think Charlotte would love a guy like Rashawn Holmes. I'd love to add another pick in this draft. Um, I like Kelly Oubre. He's partially guaranteed 12.6 next season. The Kings have needed wings. Um, they're losing Montrez Harrell, so they need um, somebody that's going to uh, fill in that center position. And uh, Miles Bridges. Still hasn't signed a contract extension. If I could work out a deal for Miles Bridges, I would be ecstatic. Oh, yeah. Um, or Kelly Oubre. But, yeah, I'd be open to something like that for sure. Barry, are you drinking warm or cold beer today? No beer today. Thank no you. No beer today. Thank you for uh, for asking, Jeremiah. I was excited, man. I, I didn't prep it. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to drink. And then... They didn't have the seventh or the eighth pick, so I was right. like, I'm cracking a beer open. And it actually wasn't bad. This this room is uh, pretty chilled, so the beer wasn't bad at all. Techno says Jimmy or Dre would be great. I'm going to start calling him Day Day on this show. Draymond That's Day what Day. I think his family called him Yeah, as a kid. I, I like Day Day better. It reminds me of next Friday. Yeah. Day Day. New head coach, what's the offense going to look like? Are you talking about the Kings? Because uh, I have so, that yeah. same question. <laughs> yeah. Let's wait to see what the roster looks like first. I would guess they're going to run fast. That's that's all I know. If we could get Kent Bazemore back, that would be a reasonable culture guy. I think you got to shoot higher than that, Ivan. I, I like Kent Bazemore a lot, but I think this team needs a leader. They need a leader. Who is that guy going to be? Um, I'd love to see Davion Mitchell step up and be that guy, but uh, it, it's gotta it's gotta happen. That's funny, Techno Peasant. They did just trade for Montrez Harrell though, so <clears throat> maybe MJ's turning over a new leaf. <laughs> T.J. Warren and Victor Oladipo for the Kings would be great. Yeah, I agree. Dabrub says LBG LBJ isn't good for culture. He's super toxic. I don't know if I agree with that. I think yeah, I think we're confusing toxic with this organizational fatigue thing that Brian yeah. Windhorst has met, now made a thing. I think the media attention that follows LeBron James is toxic, um, but I I would not classify LeBron as a toxic person. No way. Kelly Oubre is good friends with Fox. Why didn't he sign with us when he left Golden State? Man, I would have loved to have him. Doesn't MJ like having weird-looking tall white men for their centers? Plumlee Zeller, would they take homes? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we could give him JaVel McGee. I know he's not white, but he's lighter, I guess. <laughs> um, or Boban. Maybe they'll sign Boban. Yeah, there you go. Asha wouldn't like that. That would be an incredible offseason. Fourth pick, TJ Warren, Victor Oladipo, Kelly Oubre, 13th pick, 3 and D, and Dante and Davion. Damien. Oh, sorry. You meant Damien. Yeah, Damian. that would be a hell of an offseason. Yeah. 
And you could probably get most of those guys for pretty cheap. I don't know about Kelly Oubre. You probably have to pay him nine, ten million a year or something like that. But I mean, I'm looking at this. I'm like, if <clears throat> if they were to do this, why don't you swing for the fences, trade Harrison Barnes and somebody else for John Collins? Well, maybe Harrison is the guy that gets traded for Oubre in the 13th pick. Mm. Instead of Rashawn? Yeah. Yeah, this is adding a lot of depth. They they yeah. need wings. Um, no, that that would be awesome. If I, the Kings could do that, I would feel really good about their their playoff chances next year. What do you think this fourth pick um, affects as far as Oladipo status, right? Like, if you're Oladipo, we heard the rumors that you're interested or potentially interested in going to Sacramento. Do you think he's expecting to be the starter? And I mean, I would if I was him. I if don't know the why Kings, you wouldn't expect draft ivy at number four yeah are you like okay oladipo's gonna start and we're gonna bring this guy off the bench and then if oladipo's injured we have a top four pick well if that's really what you're thinking about doing then i think you look toward you look elsewhere for the pick sharp or keegan murray trade harrison barnes now you've got your small forward of the future you have oladipo starting at two guard okay yeah, it's it's tough. I like Oladipo a lot. It's just the injury concerns. It's like, can you rely on this guy to be your starting shooting guard the whole season? Um, and if he does get injured, I mean, maybe you have DiVincenzo that can come in, but then who's going to be your guy really off the bench? But I, I like this. I like this deal a lot. You know, bring in guys like Warren Oladipo, Ubre, another draft pick. All great moves. Hopefully they're uh, realistic and, and attainable. We'll see what happens. Uh, techno, that would be a reasonable dream scenario. There's a playoff roster. A mix of vets and young picks surrounding oh, yeah, Fox for sure. and Sabonis. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's an exciting offseason. All right, guys, we are going to wrap up the show here. Anything else you want to mention, Calvin? Um, no, I'm good. All right. Have a good Wednesday. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. the game. Awesome show. It's hump day. Uh, if you guys are working, if you're normal Monday through Friday, nine to fivers, you're halfway there or you're past halfway. So yep. Yep. that's exciting. Um, Matthew, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Haven't seen you for a while. It's Christmas Day and I almost <laughs> missed it. Are you talking about yesterday? King's got the fourth pick in the lottery. Anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us. We will see you all tomorrow. Don't forget, there is basketball today, so make sure you tune in for that game. And if you don't, it's all good. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for spending so much time with us. We greatly appreciate it. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you get notified when Calvin and I put out a new video. Next week, I will be in California on the road. We will continue to do the show, but the format will be a little bit different. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Thank you guys so much for watching, and as always, don't forget to tip your bartender.